What's up, everybody, and welcome to The State of Wild, episode 31 of regular YouTube video web series podcast thingy. My name is Meowth, and as usual, I'm joined by my good friend, Corbett. Corbett, how are you doing this week? Hey, what's up, Meowth? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to bullshit. I am having a rough week in general, but I'm very happy to be here and uh, talk stuff over with you on this episode. Yeah, I mean, we... I feel you, dude. It's been a very long week and a half, I feel like, just on that grind, you know? You know when people ask you, how are you doing? And you're just like, yeah, going. <laughs> Living <laughs> just, the dream. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's been my life for the past week and a half. But all that sadness aside, this is going to be a good episode. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be talking a lot about the uh, the wild metagame and kind of our, our big first impressions now that the meta's finally settled. But before we do, just a reminder to leave a like, comment, and subscribe. If you guys enjoy our content, it does support us a lot. Uh, but yeah, Corbett, let's go ahead and start talking about it. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since Dark Moon Races. The meta has started to settle. Um, and so, uh, Tempo Storm, uh, you know, usually they're really, really on top of things. They took their first stab at kind of describing the Dark Moon Races metagame. Uh, and so what we wanted to do uh, to begin this is uh, kind of analyze their meta reports, see whether we agree with it or not. Again, this uh, this report is written by uh, four or five high legend people that play wild probably more than Corvette and I do at this point. Um, and so they're very well informed and... Uh, I mean, let's talk about what we uh, what we have here. So in Tier 1, uh, for the Tempestone Meta Report, uh, Tier 1 is Secret Mage, Dark Lair Warlock, Odd Rogue, Arena Priest, and Kingsbane Rogue. Uh, tier 2, Odd Paladin, Pirate Warrior, Big Priest, Odd Warrior. Uh, diving down into Tier 3 and Tier 4, this is where things get a little bit fuzzy because they're not as popular. Uh, but we see Discard Warlock, Arena Lock, Odd Demon Hunter, Big Shaman, Agra Druid, Mali Druid, and DMH. And then Tier 4... Um, all, all the nice little memes down here with Quest Mage, Even Shaman, Galakrond Warrior, Key Warlock, Reno Secret Mage, and Hand Buff Paladin. Uh, so yeah, Corbett, first of all, initial impressions about the tier list. Do you think it captures the Dark Moon Races metagame pretty fairly? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I, I think this is, uh, for the most part, you know, aligning with what I've been seeing and feeling. Mm -hmm. um, I think, like, once you get down, like you said, into the tier three, tier four area, um, you can start nitpicking a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's like, does it matter as much? Like, is it really relevant whether Dex tier three or tier four or not in one of these reports? Like, it's not as much of a big deal. So I'm, I'm not going to fight someone if they think Quest Mage is better than Demon Shaman or something. Um, but for the for the top of the meta report, I think I think this is all pretty dead on. Um, if I was going to switch up one thing, I'd put Reno Lock into that top nine uh, of tier one and tier two decks. But those actually, if you make that swap, that uh, Reno Lock above Old Warrior, those would be like the, the same nine decks that I would have uh, in these tiers here. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, both the Tempest Storm report and just kind of general public perception of like what has been strong in the metagame kind of that they align which is not what we normally see right uh, we talked a little well, bit about this the last time we did a vs report where it was like yeah. the first time in a while that we had seen the powerful decks also be the most popular decks right there, at some point yeah. there was this disconnect where stuff like odd paladin and odd rogue would be some of the strongest decks in the format but would be like the 12th or 13th most played deck right or where big priest would be super popular even though it was a very weak deck um so i think for the past couple of months um public perception of what's strong has kind of aligned with what's actually strong. And so um, I'm not very surprised that uh, what the the meta report that Tempestorm put out kind of aligns with what we feel. Yeah, um, I think in general, uh, the wild player base is actually 
been a lot better and a lot smarter, I think, in picking up these decks. I think that sometimes there are still some things that have um, like slipped through the cracks. Like uh, like we're talking about how in the previous VS report, the strongest decks were mostly there, but you still had something like Odd Rogue, which was like so unpopular that it didn't even show up in our like um, low sample tier list. Yeah. Um, but I think for the most part, the wire, the wire community has sort of been gravitating more, uh, more and more accurately towards the best stuff. Good job, wild community. You guys are getting smarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that. so let's kind of use this as a launching point to talk about our impressions of the metagame. Um, and so you kind of talked about Renalock over Odd Warrior, and that would be your, like your top nine. And I would argue that right now we have nine top tier decks in the metagame. Uh, and so I think we're pretty happy with that because the, that means the meta has diversified with Darkmoon races, right? Prior to Darkmoon races, it might not have been the most diverse. I know there was a lot of complaining about that. Uh, but now I think we have nine decks that are uh, tier one, tier two, um, that can very easily hit legend and very easily hit relatively high legend. Uh, and so just to reiterate those, uh, we have Secret Mage, Kingsmane, Darklair, Odd Rogue, Rena Priest, Big Priest, Renalock, Pirate Warrior, and Odd Paladin in no specific order. Um, so those are kind of the nine best decks in the format. We've got a diversity of, uh, I would say a diversity of archetypes. We have Control, Combo, and Aggro. Yeah. Uh, we take those if you consider Darklair combo. So Corbett, would you agree that these nine decks are the best? Uh, and if you had to make any changes to the ordering of Tempo Storms, uh, if we had to nitpick, right? Uh, would you shift around some of the order of what you think the the best decks are? Um, yeah. So like I said, I agree with the nine. Like uh, that that we have, we just moved that Rena Lock up. Um, as for the specific order of this, I think it's pretty well nailed. Uh, like I think Pirate War is at the lower end. I think Odd Paladins at the middle to lower end. Um, I think Big Priest is actually very very good right now. Uh, so Big Priest got a massive upgrade with Hysteria. Um, Hysteria is so good in the Darklair matchup and just like a ridiculous removal tool in general. Um, I, I think I think that's a deck that's actually very very strong right now. Um, I'm very happy that they had Odd Rogue where it is because I think that that might catch some people off guard because mm -hmm. Odd Rogue, as always, isn't played that much. But uh, you know, Odd Rogue got Nitro Boost just like Kingsmane, and Nitro Boost is still insane in Odd Rogue. So um, yeah, Odd Rogue in Tier One, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm not sure about Mage and Darkler. Just like I, I feel indecisive right now right it's only been a week and a bit since the um i mean i guess since the tiller nerf right it's yeah. like wild's actually on even more of a delay than standard because we had our first week <laughs> and then that was all deleted um yeah. it's like we got a reset which is even more than standard which is still in a bit of flux um so my very early impressions i think that mage and dark Lair, they might have taken a little step back I mean, mage shouldn't pick up anything dark Lair picked up backfire but a lot of other tools came out that actually hurt dark Lair, whether it's yeah. vendor or Hysteria. Hysteria is so damn good for a deck like Reno Lock, which didn't have super clean ways to deal with like double giants on board on turn four. It was more like Plague of Flames and Prey, and that's it. Now it actually has like, you can't just tempo out your giants as like a Dark Lair into a Reno Lock, like completely unchecked. And so the, I'm wanting to see how that feels out, but I think for the most part, this is all correct. I think the meta is very aggressive, Reno centric, like Agro Reno, and the big priest is just doing. You know, big price things, yeah. which we love to see in the world. I would agree that I think the gap decreased, right, between the top, top decks and, like, the next batch. Um, Secret Mage, like you said, didn't get anything. Dark Lair, I think, dude, Hysteria is absolutely broken against Dark Like, it's yeah. solos against Dark Lair. Um, 
which is why you see a lot of priests and warlock i think rising in the in the rankings um mm-hmm. and then we saw a lot of decks get buffs right we saw we saw rogues get buffs we saw pirate warrior get buffs uh and all that kind of good stuff so i mean let's talk about it uh let's give a definitive ranking okay dude if you had to give me your nine top decks in order all right and i'm only doing this so that people in the comments can pick on us right oh, God. um I, i'll go first i'll give you a little bit of time so i think for me personally i think secret mage is still by far and away the best deck uh the most consistent deck uh especially if you're trying to climb to legend um it's the best aggro deck in my opinion uh followed by i actually have big priest as my second best deck right now uh and that might shock a lot of people uh, but i think big priest is like absolutely broken right now because uh shadow essence on five kind of just solos a lot of the aggressive matchups in the in the metagame uh so it kind of solos rogue it solos pirate warriors it solos odd paladin because you also have all the priest aoe um uh and it's also really good against darkly warlock uh so for me big priest i think is the second best deck uh followed by kingsbane with nitro boost uh, i have darkler as the fourth best deck i know i don't play in the top 30 legends so i don't play against the best of the best dark lair players so i might be a little bit wrong with this one um but i think the hysteria print uh, has hurt dark lair as well as the rise of all these other aggressive decks in the metagame um and then rena priest for me is the fifth followed by odd rogue odd paladin rena lock and then i think i have pirate warrior as the ninth best deck and i i hesitate to put pirate warrior maybe even in the top nine it because fe- it feels so much weaker than kingsbane and odd rogue um, mm-hmm. it, it feels like those rogue decks just do what uh, Pirate Warrior wants to do, just better. Um, but yeah, did, did I give you enough time to figure out your your? I, I feel like this is just, just like in like high school when the teacher <laughs> announced that there was homework but still in my bag and I hadn't done it and I'm trying to scramble to do it before they uh, like come around and collect things. Um, I know it's far good. But all right, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Okay, my, my nine best ranking these decks um i'm gonna go and say glare number one um i'm gonna go secret mage two odd rogue three okay uh big priest four kingsbane five reno priest six and then reno lock oh odd pally reno lock pirate warrior i think that's i don't think i missed any no i think you got nine Right, I think I got my nine. All right, so there we go. There's my nine off the top, uh, off the top of the dome. But like I said, um, not sure yet. You know, it's it's very early days. It's very early days. I think like Kingsbane in general. I think if Kingsbane didn't have such ridiculous tech options for it, I think Kingsbane would be a lot nuttier. But the fact that people do go out of their way to like aggressively tech against Kingsbane with things like Sticky Finger and Glut Ooze and this like even Zeph in general, um, like I think Kingsbane. It's just as much public enemy number one as something like uh, Mage or, or Dark Lair. Um, there's a lot of attention to Kingsbane right now. And so I think maybe if Kingsbane becomes a little bit less popular, <coughs> it might be able to uh, rise up the rankings a little bit because it gets less attention. Do you think Kingsbane is currently in that, like... <laughs> uh, do you think Kingsbane is currently in that situation where, like, Reiner Priest used to be, where everybody was running Finley Wizard... Um, all the tech options to try to beat Reno Priest, and now people are currently on Kingsbane as yeah. like the flavor deck of the month that I hate, so I'm going to tech against it before people eventually move to running Eater Secrets and Kazan Mystics and all of their decks to, to tech on Secret Mage. Do you think it's just in that situation and like you probably shouldn't be running tech options? <coughs> Sorry. You could... 
Um, yeah, I think I think from the tech that I was saying, most of the meta is very much targeted at Glare and Kingsmane at the ranks that I've been playing at. Um, and so those two decks are hurting a little bit just because it's a little bit more attention headed their way. Um, like all the priests that I've been seeing all run Wave of Apathy, mm -hmm. which is a thing that, you know, isn't necessarily seen across ladder. Um, so I think I think if those decks become a little bit less popular, it's the same thing that you said about Reno Priest, right? Where right now they're very, very strong, but they're getting checked a little bit um, compared to maybe what they should be. But yeah, Kingsbane's very popular. So I don't know. Kingsbane's yeah. good. Nitro Boost is a good card. By the way, Nitro Boost. Uh, I just wanted to mention, uh, I, we were talking about the data of it and how Nitro Boost was performing. Mm -hmm. Some of that like early sample stuff kind of evened out. And we can see that Nitro Boost is like a very, very, very good card in Kingsbane. Um, it's still worse than like Deadly Poison, it looks like, but it's still like elite in that deck. So the low sample stuff kind of evened out there. It kind of makes sense that it's worse than Deadly though, right? Because it's a little bit more situational to, to activate and use. Yeah. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, but I don't think it's any surprise that it's ending up strong um, i would be mm. i would have been absolutely shocked if the data like uh, evened out and showed that it was poor like i yeah. my mind would have been blown um <laughs> i would yeah. also i think we, we keep we're talking about these top nine but i would also argue that like the the gap in power level of these nine decks um is so much closer than it was before dark moon races which i think is a very good thing uh, moving forward into the you know the future weeks in the metagame uh, but let's kind of take a step down let's move to the like the next tier right tier three uh or the decks that are we think are close to breaking into the the top tier so whether it's we see some sort of potential balance changes in the future uh or these decks need just like one or two powerful cards in the next set whatever that might be uh they're really really close to breaking into that top tier um and so some of the decks that we kind of you know, had here were, were Discard Warlock, Odd Demon Hunter, Hand Buff Paladin, Jay Druid, Agro Druid, um, maybe Odd Warrior. I know Odd Warrior is a deck that's very, very popular at certain ranks in Legend, um, but we don't necessarily think it's that top tier of a deck. Um, so would you agree with those? Do you think I'm missing anything? Um, I think that Even Shaman is something that could definitely pop up, um, it, depending on what we get in the future. And I think Quest Mage is always looming, right? Like, Quest Mage is... It's close. Like, <laughs> there's always a chance that Quest Mage could just suddenly become very busted quite easily without yeah. needing that much. Like, Mana Biscuit... Man, Mana Biscuit just allows you to pop up so much. So I think Quest Mage sucks right now, but if it ever gets that little bit faster than it needs to... Uh, that it needs to be, um, it'll be right back there. Man, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know why Mana Biscuit's so broken? Because Sorcerer's Apprentice is a card, and you get to yeah. gain mana when you play that. I'm just saying... Yeah, that's pretty good sork apprentice is a, is a very good card because it makes things cost zero mm -hmm. um but yeah i i think the metagame is overall in a much healthier spot than it was dark moon races and i uh i'm pretty happy that the meta has i think shifted um there's not new decks but i think power level has shifted which i think is a good thing um and i know that might not <laughs> appease a lot of people because i know a lot of people want oh where's my brand new two or three decks in the top we're, we're not going to get that in a while then i think um the power level evening out i think is a big thing because that was one of the big things that i was a little bit frustrated at i think um before dark moon races where it felt like there were two or three decks that were very very high power level compared to everything else and now i feel like the power levels have kind of more evened out and i'm, I'm very happy with that um and so i think dark moon yeah. races has had a, has a pretty significant positive impact on on the wild format yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think everything's a lot closer now than it was. Basically, because the way I saw it was Mage and Glare were kind of very much like the top two dogs, mm -hmm. uh, like heading right into the uh, Dark Moon Races uh, mini set. But uh, Dark Glare kind of got 
like a little bit countered by Hysteria being released and Bender, which are both like two pretty devastating cards towards that deck. Um, and Mage got nothing. Whereas a whole bunch of stuff in like tier two and so on, like Big Priest or, you know, like, like Odd Rogue, Kingsbane Rogue, um, that all got like significant upgrades. So everything's a lot tighter now. And it is more diverse, even if it is sort of the same decks that we've been seeing for, you know, some time. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for our kind of mini meta report. Uh, so let, <laughs> let us know whether you guys agree or disagree with us and let us know what you guys think are the best decks in the format down in the comments below. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and move on to our next segment, uh, the XR of the week or the, the news of the week. Uh, basically, this is where we recap XR's weekly AMAs because there's not really much else going on in the wild scene right now. Um, so XR, if you guys don't know, does weekly Q&As over on Twitter every Wednesday for about an hour where he answers um, questions, requests, really annoying comments on uh <laughs> on twitter <laughs> yeah so this week on his uh on his ama there was nothing like super splashy i think announced uh but he did announce a couple small things uh specifically related to the the classic set rework that's coming with the new expansion whether that's in march or april um where he talked about new cards are going to be added to the classic set old cards will be making a return and some older cards are being rebalanced uh which i think is the thing that caught a lot of people's eyes um so ancient ancient of lore unnerf maybe um uh cards like that i uh are probably on the eyes I, i'm excited for what this means i'm really dude i just want this like classic set rework to be announced already just because it's being yeah. hyped up by like it's being hyped up a ton and i'm just excited to see what it does for the game um and both our format and the standard format um it's it's really like those things where it's like that last two weeks you play Hearthstone before an expansion comes out. It's like that, except it's lasting two months. Where <laughs> like we we just know that Hearthstone's gonna look so different in this little time period, but we're just kind of like just lasting. We're just trying to hold out and suffer through like Ancient of Law costing seven. Um, I don't know. It, it does like the way that he phrased some things made me think that they might not be going to the basic set thing that we were talking mm, about. Yeah. Um, like a kind of like set. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. It, it did, I'm not sure exactly, but I mean, it's kind of all stuff that we knew, right? Like, they, they will be adding new cards. They are a lot of cards that they think deserve to be in the classic set and evergreen. Um, we'll be making a comeback. I'm really interested in what cards they pick for that, by the way. Yeah. Like, which, which previous wild cards and things like that they think would make really good additions to um, the evergreen set. Uh, so yeah, still, still waiting on this stuff, looking forward to it, just kind of... You know, taking whatever little tidbit of information that we get. Uh, latch on to, yeah. Yeah, before it all just happens <laughs> in March, March or so. I think it's always fun to to ponder what the, the reverts and the buffs uh, could be. And it's always fun to picture what a meta might be like with a, a five mana Ancient of Lore or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe we'll revisit that for another episode where we don't. Have yeah, to maybe yeah, maybe we can. We can go through and pick out our favorites for cards to go to the classic set. Yeah, maybe that'd be a fun thing we can go through. Uh, yeah. yeah, look forward to that, guys. We're gonna definitely be doing that. <laughs> yeah, <teaser. laughs> um, So yeah, so a couple of other comments. Uh, there was a really interesting question that was posed. Um, I know players have been wrong a lot when it comes to power level, asking for nerfs. But what has been the most wrong that comes to your mind? Uh, which I think was a very unique question, right? Because we know that players are wrong a lot when it comes to power levels. Uh, it's mainly about play perception and play patterns and stuff like that. Uh, and so XR replies, 
uh, Psych Melon, like so Juicy Psych Melon and Glide were the, probably the most recent examples of cards that we knew were relatively weak to medium power level pre-release uh, that people were complaining about a ton. Uh, and Jade Druid. So Jade Druid was also a mostly middling deck that saw much more outcry for power level violation than was actually true. He didn't specify whether the Jade Druid uh, talk was relative to standard or wild. I'm assuming standard. Um, yeah, what he's referring to here, um, I'm, I'm like certain of it. He's uh, he's talking about the period between Gadotan and Ongoro. Druid or like all of Ongoro, where, where Jade Druid never really left tier 3. Um, it was like borderline like tier 3, tier 2, like mostly lower tier for that entire time period. But it was hated and highly played. It was one of those decks that saw about like 8% share of the meta almost all the time. Um, but it was just bad. Like, <laughs> this wasn't really a good deck. Um, now that all changed when KFT came out and, you know, it got five mana spreading plague when it had, you and know, ultimate infestation. Oh, God. and it had ultimate infestation come out and it had still the, um, you know, the, the like two mana innovate and, or like innovative refresh to, um, and so, yeah, uh, but between Gadazan and Angora, Jade Druid was sort of disproportionately yelled about. Yeah. I, I still remember the controversy about glide holy shit dude like yeah (laughs) i yeah i that was actually crazy where glide came out and people were literally complaining about their pre-order because they said that glide was going to destroy the game um meanwhile i'm kind of in the comp hs discord and there's a few of us who are going is this card even good like wait are we do we even want this this seems kind of not very strong um and yeah I, I think, like, yeah, a lot of Reddit outcry and Twitter outcry for, for Glide. Yeah, his his comment about Juicy Cyclone, though, was really interesting to me, because it's probably, like, really weak in standard, and I think it was really weak in standard, but they printed that when we already had 7-mana Aviana, 8-mana Tawwaggle, 9-mana Aviana, wait, 7-mana Azelina, 8-mana Tog, 9-mana Aviana, got these A-names, and 10-mana Kun. Like, we already had that combo deck in Wild, and then they printed Psych Melon. And so I think there was a lot of outcry from the wild community specifically about Psych Melon. And I still outcry about Psych Melon because I still think it's a dumb card. But I guess it, it it's maybe, I mean, it probably is not really warranted if the power level showing that it's not that strong. Well, it, it's just about context, right? So mm-hmm. he's talking about the context of standard players, which is what the majority of players are. And like the amount Why doesn't of feedback everybody play our format, dude? Come on. Yeah, I know. It's the nuts. Why don't, why don't they come? Why do they come here? Um, but no. Uh, so like, they primarily design obviously the standard in mind. The feedback that they get on Reddit is about standard. It was probably a whole bunch of oh my god, this is um, dude, what's the seven sprint? God, I forgot what it was called. This is sprint for four mana. The tutors. It tutors me out. Um, and in standard, that's really not. That wasn't really used for it. In wild, it was kind of a different thing um but they're always fine with printing stuff that pushes the boundaries in wild you know yeah. you just saw it with tiller right that's true like they they were told what happened with tiller and they said we're not going to fix it we're going to see how it plays out and melons is another situation where they ended up nerfing aviana because the play pattern but ultimately in wild it's just a different situation like it, standard is always the main emphasis when it comes to these things yeah i wonder i would love to have like devs on the on the podcast like ask them the specific question like okay so we you knew that psych melon was going to be printed and you, you, you probably knew that it was going to be weak and standard. But I wonder, like, did so then did they print it specifically, like, for Wild to push the boundaries of the deck in Wild? Like, what do you think the, the reasoning behind printing that then was? And I would um, love to get I the perspective it, of, like, a dev about that. Yeah, I, I think at the time in standard, there was a whole bunch of 7-8 cost cards that could synergize together. Like, there was Giant Anaconda. 
Um, there was the, I, I think there was the card that was like eight mana and you would add like a 10 cost copy to your hand, like a 10, 10 copy. Um, maybe I'm getting the sets a little bit confused, but I, I do think that there was like high cost druid synergy stuff. And they kind of just wanted a way to like ramp, fill your hand with big stuff and play it out. And you know, maybe that's a fun archetype for the Timmies of the world, right? Like mm -hmm. it's fine if that card's weak and strong in wild because they're fine making things strong in wild if it even if it is dgen you know they're they're willing to sort of push that boundary because you know the bar of entry is so high so i think yeah. just like pushing archetypes and standards fine yeah but I, it would be nice to hear from the dev team yeah. about that kind of thing that would be interesting for sure uh and then speaking of cards that were printed and may eventually get printed um i think the last little thing i want to touch on is um for those of you guys that don't know Hearthstone has a ton of really, really cute minions, and they just happen to all cost zero mana, right? Um, Merlock mm -hmm. Tinyfin, uh, whatever the little name of the demon is, Snowflooper Penguin, uh, all, the, all that kind of good stuff. There's a ton of really, really cute minions. Uh, but there's one specific tribe that's, that's missing, uh, and that's a pirate. Uh, and so they said that there is only a matter of time until they print a <laughs> zero mana 1-1 one, one pirate. And I'm just sitting here, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, ship's cannon, patches, yeah. parachute uh -huh. brigand. Dude, turn yep. one. Turn one ship's cannon into zero mana pirate, pulling double brigand and Apaches from your deck. Yeah. Holy um, crap, dude. I think, yeah, this is an exact example of what we were just talking about, right? Where they might push something if you like this. <laughs> and all of a sudden, wild, it's like, oh, those cards aren't necessarily meant to work together, but here they are. Um, but yeah, uh, if this happens, it would be kind of nutty, right? Because something like Agra Druid plays one mana, one, two. Oh my god, like, no dude. real upside. So can you imagine, like, Gibbling, Embiggen, Queen, one-drop Pirate Lotus? Mm. Or, like, a one-one Pirate Lotus? <laughs> Things like that. Doesn't that sound great? Let's do that. Your definition of great. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I think they said it's a matter of time, so we're going to get it eventually. I would love to see a zero mana one-one totem first, okay? I'm just going to put that out there. I'd rather have a totem before we get the pirate. Ooh. Um, for even shaman and totem shaman, but I guess we'd play that. Well, yeah, I, I would 100% play that. Yeah, I, I mean, I would also 100% play the zero mana one one pirate. And for what it's worth, that zero mana one one beast, no flipper penguin, actually legitimately almost saw competitive play uh, with scavengers and uh, ingenuity. It's yeah. it, 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 it's all play in standard at the time, but yeah, you mean it's like recently it's all mm -hmm. yeah, like recently it also saw play with scav ingenuity. Dude, zero cost cards in general, Broken. like. <laughs> they have the zero cost cards. They, they always have a chance. Yeah, any, it, paying mana in Wild Hearthstone or in Hearthstone in general, ew. Yeah. Uh, anything that has the potential to be free has potential to be good. So I think I think for like the devs, patches kind of filled the role of the zero mana pirate. Mm -hmm. Like, does that make sense? It's like yeah. a free pirate little one one. And so, but it, I can see like them doing this just for, I guess, like completion sake, right? Yeah. It's like every every tribe gets one. Why doesn't pirates get one? So Eventually. we'll wait and see on that. I, I, I hope it's very far in the future where eventually <laughs> eventually the dream turn of ship's cannon into two zero mana one one pirates pulling two brigands and pulling patches doesn't even seem that strong all right it's too slow it's too, too slow. slow for um, our format it's one in day. the late game <laughs> uh but that is one day to be dreaded far in the future uh but yeah that'll wrap it up for our news of the week uh and then we're going to be moving on to our next segment 
Uh, so this is a segment that we are still in the, in the midst of trying out. Uh, so we will be doing a, a deck spotlight instead of our decks of the week. Uh, please let us know your feedback about this segment down in the comments below. Uh, but I'm going to hand it off to the good player out of the two of us, uh, Corbett, uh, to take it away uh, with this segment. Um, okay, so we're already lying to the viewers. Uh, let's continue. Um, well, guys, you should all be playing Mazaki Mage. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. But seriously, uh, Mazaki Mage is the deck of the week that we're going to be talking about. Um, so for anyone unaware, like, let's run through what Mazaki Mage, the deck, the idea of the deck is, and then we'll give you, like, the list. So Mazaki Mage is built around, um, you know, its namesake, the five-mana legendary Mazaki. And Mazaki is a 5-mana 3-8 where every time you cast a spell, it gains plus 1 spell damage. Now, this is a combo that's used in Standard, where you, but we have like a wild version here now. So basically, the plan is to play Mazaki, play out Apprentice, play all your spells, play Cram Sessions, which can draw through your entire deck, and then just like bolt and isolate people in the head for like 50, 60 damage at a time. Um, so yeah, that's the idea of Mazaki Mage. So the list is Arcane Missiles times two. All these are going to be times two, by the way, except the legendaries. I figured that'll just speed things up. So Arcane Missiles, Ice Lance, Ray of Frost, Sphere of Sapience, Ancient Mysteries, Conjure Mana Biscuit, Cram Session, Frostbolt, Encanter's Flow, Research Project, Two Sorcerer's Apprentice, Arcane Intellect, Frost Nova, Double Ice Block, and then we have Luna, Lawkeeper Polkalt, and Mazaki. So there's the 30-card deck list for you guys if you want to play this combo mage deck. Yeah, I think um, this mage deck has taken... It's like the the modern-day equivalent of like Exodia Mage or Freeze Mage from back in the day. Like mm -hmm. this, is, this is now what Freeze Mage is. It's a turn 7 OTK instead of like a Alexstrasza and then Antonidas Fireballs kind of combo deck, right? Now it's a Mazaki Kill you on turn 7, turn 8 style of deck. Yeah, it's running that very similar package, right? Where it's all running the ice blocks and the novas and things like that. And yeah, like you said, it's it's sort of the evolution of Exodia Mage, um, where instead instead of waiting all the time to just do this Antonidas thing, you kind of have like a five mana Antonidas, <laughs> and you just sort of do insane things with that. Um, so, what is the deck like? Uh, what is like the role of the deck? What's it good at? How does it feel? Um, so, Mazaki Mage is definitely not the strongest deck in the format. It's probably in the like high tier four range where it feels competitive right but it's not crushing it on ladder it's not one of the best nine decks that we we're talking about earlier but it feels a very similar role to something like malagos druid where it can really bully decks that are passive um but does have some problems against things that are a bit more aggressive so the deck is very solitary but it's a game of survival which makes it a little bit different than something like mali mali's mostly about ramp draw your pieces kill this is a bit more like, instead of ramping, this is about stalling and drawing and then going for the kill. Um, the combo turns can be quite complicated, I think. Managing hand size and thinking about drawing through your deck in the correct order and, and like what your outs are for getting more card draw, things like that can be quite complex. And it's been challenging for me to play, but it's been a lot of fun as well. Yeah, I think one of the most notable lines is when you're popping off on the Mizaki and getting the perfect amount of card draw or maximizing your card draw with cram session, right? And that means sometimes, you know, using one of your damage pieces so that you draw an extra card, so that you get the conjure mana biscuit, so that you have the extra mana to keep drawing through your deck, to keep doing all the damage. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of little bit of 
min maxes i think where the old exodia mage didn't really have that i felt like the old exodia mage was a very simple deck to play i think for the most part where i think this deck is a little bit opposite of that i i equate this a lot to uh it it feels like quest mage where like it beats up on the big priest of the world right the decks uh or the jade druids and stuff like that uh you don't technically have infinite damage like you do with exodia mage but you have more than enough damage to kill (laughs) most decks uh especially since you get to combo on like turn six turn seven with contra mana biscuits so i i was actually playing a game today where uh I got killed on turn six when my opponent had 16 cards left in their deck. And at the end, I was getting Ice Lance for 20 damage, and my opponent had no cards left in their deck because of the Cram Sessions and, and the Razor Frost. Um, yeah. Um, so this deck this deck does, like, pop off consistently exactly. yeah. on t- turn seven. Like, turn seven is, like, that's your go. It's like a Mechathune deck in that mm-hmm. sense, where, like, turn turn eight for Mechathune kind of felt like, all right, this is the normal. Turn seven's normal for this deck. Um which is actually like pretty easy to get to in a lot of matchups um, because of the ice block and the Nova. So where this deck really excels, like, because the, the general question is, why am I playing a combo mage deck that isn't quest mage, mm-hmm. right? Like that question keeps coming up. Like, isn't this just quest mage? Yeah. There are certain matchups where it's a lot better than quest mage. Some that are worse, but some that are a lot better, right? So it's just a different matchup spread where this is actually excellent into Dark Lair. Like you, you beat Darkler like very easily with this deck, um, because you have so much freeze for the giants, the ice blocks, and you can generally manage your way around the one low tab effect. Um, and also the fact that their life total is so low is that they're kind of at constant risk to just dying to like frostbolt ice lance. It's very awkward from the Darkler side, and it's often pretty easy for you to kind of just freeze, draw, freeze, draw, kill. Um, so that's an example of a matchup where this does a lot better than Quest Mage. It's a lot better against something like Big Priest, where if Quest Mage gets like Scrapyard Colossus on turn five, fighting their way through those taunts is actually kind of a tough time, mm-hmm. um, especially now with Hysteria, meaning that there's not really any room to tempo Giants at all in that matchup. Like, you kind of just got to go all in when you go all in. Um, whereas with this deck, you can like pass Taunt. Taunt does nothing. You can just send everything to the dome over the top on turn nine. And you can just keep freezing the board and the priest can't do anything. At the same time, it's a lot worse into something like Secret Mage because you don't beat Ice Block a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, uh, you are a bit susceptible to things like Dirty Rat. So there's kind of like a bit of, you know, there's some slight differences. And that's why I think the matchup spread tends to look a little bit more like Mally Druid rather than Quest Mage, mm-hmm. even though they are similar overall. Uh, so um, you, you talked about the matchups that it's getting. Let's talk about... Um... Like the mulligans, I think. First of all, let's touch on like core cards and flex cards. I don't think that there are very many flex cards, uh, but I know some people might not own Sphere or Polkelt. Um, and so, if you had to yeah. suggest replacements for those two cards, I know those are the ones that are probably the most commonly asked about on your stream um, as replacements. So, if you had to replace them, obviously those are the optimal cards with a bill. But if you had to replace them, what would you replace them with? Um, evocation is a potential option um, where evocation. You can play it on the combo turn uh, to keep like popping off. That's another legendary though, so maybe it's not like the best budget-friendly option. Um, you can often maybe we can look at like one flame ward. It would make your ancient mysteries more consistent in terms of like being able to get a secret later in the game. Mm-hmm. It means that you don't always get ice block, which kind of sucks. But maybe that's something people can try. Um, also, maybe you can like make a bigger secret package in general try like double flame ward or try barriers and maybe add like mad scientist um as a potential option as well got it all right 
Now let's talk about game plan. I think the game plan is very similar in all of the matchups. So I think the big kind of skill point outside of the combo turn itself uh, is Mulligan, right? I, I think mm -hmm. Mulligans and kind of how you're playing out the first few turns in a lot of these matchups is probably going to determine your success uh, in a yeah. lot of these games. Uh, so do you want to talk through, let's talk through like Dark Lair, right? You said it's a very favorite matchup against Dark Lair. What are you mulling for and what are you doing in the early game against Dark Lair Willow? So basically, you're just trying to be efficient with card draw and kind of banking resources. So yeah. what I mean by that is like, you're looking at things like Conjure Mana Biscuit, Encanter's Flow. These are cards that you can play out on like turn two when you're not under any pressure. And, you know, they, they just make your future turns so much easier. Um, so like Encanter's Flow is really like the best card that you can see in the early game. Arcane Intellect is fantastic as well. Um, Research Project is another one that's really good, especially if you're on the play, because often if the Dark Lair opponent or any like opponent that's going to draw a lot of cards, if you're on the play and they're on the coin, it's very likely that they get up to about eight or nine cards in hand by turn three, and then you can just rip a Research Project at no real downside, right? Yeah. Like they're not drawing cards, you're drawing two. Um, but those are the big things, right? So you're looking for maybe Sphere of Sapiens, Ancient Mysteries, Conjure Mana Biscuit, Encanter's Flow, Arcane Intellect, and uh, potentially Research Project. I, I don't wouldn't worry about like keeping freeze effects. You have enough where you'll draw into them if you just look for the other good cards. And the same kind of thing where like you don't need to keep Ice Block because you're effectively running four copies. Mm -hmm. You will find an Ice Block. Like don't worry about it. Just find stuff that makes your hand and deck cheaper and draws you cards. That's like the way to the way to go about this. All right, and then let's talk about maybe against something like a like a Kingsbane Rogue, right? A, a little bit of a more difficult matchup. Uh, would that be a matchup yeah. where you are keeping stuff like your Frost Bolts and Razor Frost because freezing the minions or freezing the face might be a little bit more important in that matchup or still the same general yeah. mulligan game plan? So it's the same kind of mulligan in most matchups. I think like against Kingsbane is sort of the exception where you would keep something like Arcane Missiles because mm -hmm. the, the missiles work so damn well against those like 2-1 plus patches pirates yeah the, those opening pirate starts the missiles are so good um but for the most part the mulligan is pretty much the same in these matchups um something i will say against like slower decks you can keep the mazaki but i wouldn't be keeping mazaki against you know a king's bane for example but the mulligan generally pretty similar where you know if you make your like deck cheaper with flow you will make these bigger swing turns later like you will get to your your frost bolt and ice lance on turn four or five when you really need it and so it's just mostly about um, just like setting up enough card draw and all those kinds of things in every situation. But yeah, against the aggro, missiles can be a keep, uh, whereas that otherwise wouldn't be. And I think one final question that I kind of want to pose, because I feel like a lot of people might be wondering this when they pick up combo decks like this. Uh, do you want to be keeping stuff like Sources Apprentice in in your hand, right? Or in your Luna or Pokelt in your hand? Because it's the combo piece, right? Do we want to keep them? Yeah, um... Apprentice, I would never keep, I think. In fact, I would probably be more likely to keep Apprentice in an aggro matchup, <laughs> like in a very fast aggro druid matchup is where I might keep Apprentice because you just, you're not going to get time to combo. So fighting for board with Apprentice and Missiles and Ray of Frost can actually be relevant. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, no, you don't actually want the Apprentice because you don't really need the Apprentice for the combo turn that much. Um, like you have Encanter's Flow. So Encanter's Flow already fills a very similar role to the Apprentice. Um, so the Apprentice becomes a lot less tempting. Against like slow decks, you can keep the Mazaki because that's sort of the unique card that you, you do need to be able to pop off. 
Yeah. Um, but in general, it's not really about keeping your combo cards straight up. The idea is to draw your combo cards later a lot of the time, once you've already got enough resources. Because if it's turn four or turn five, and you've just got a hand of Mazaki and Apprentice and nothing else, then, you know, you're not really going to be doing very much. You're probably yeah. going to be dead by the time you're, like, you're going to be two turns dead by the time it's time to combo off. So, yeah, um, generally toss those other cards to the cards that I've been talking about earlier. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to touch on for the Mizaki Mage? Because I know this is like, I used to love old school Freeze Mage, and so I'm probably <laughs> going to be giving this another uh, another touch when uh, um, when I get back to streaming. Uh, <laughs> like, anything else you want to touch on for uh, Mizaki Mage there? Uh, in terms of play pattern, I think something that you touched on about the combo turn where you want to sequence things correctly, uh, something cute is that often you don't actually want to cram sessions for everything um because you can make your draw a little awkward right so like if you have 10 cards in deck and you can cram for six plus research project you might not get to the last two cards because your second cram sessions becomes unplayable mm -hmm. so like if you cram and both your cram sessions are like massive then you'll never be able to play the second copy so sometimes it's better to like cram for three and then use the second cram for four or something like that. So yeah. that way you can just play out both of them. Both both being small to mid is better than only playing one massive one that doesn't actually let you play it and you know get through your deck. So that's something to be a little bit wary of uh, on the combo turns. But other than that, um, it's a pretty complicated deck on the sequencing. But the idea is simple. So if people just play around with it, I'm sure they'll uh, I'm sure they'll be okay. Yeah. All right. Let us know, guys, if you have any questions for Corbett. The Sage of Mazaki Mage down in the comments below. I, oh, I made that up on the spot <laughs> and it was beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, let us know, guys, your feedback about this segment as well. Uh, and there will also be a poll for future weeks uh, where we will do a deck breakdown of the decks that you guys choose. So make sure you guys check out the poll in the pinned comment below. Uh, and I think that's going to be it for us today on our State of the Wild episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed and we'll be doing these episodes every Sunday. So make sure you guys drop a like and subscribe if you guys enjoy our content and make sure you guys share with others. And a reminder that we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the other podcast distributors. Uh, so if you want to listen on the air, make sure you guys check us out there. Uh, Corbett, thank you again for joining me. Let the people know where they can find you. Uh, guys, you can find me at Corbett Games on Twitch and Twitter and YouTube and all that kind of good stuff. So thank you guys very much for listening in. And hope you have a good one. And make sure you guys check out his, uh, make sure you guys check out his stream if you guys want to check out some of that hot Mazaki Mage gameplay. Uh, we appreciate for, uh, all of y'all for watching. We hope y'all enjoyed. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you guys next time. Later.